Christmas! By golly, it's still Christmas. In fact, in many parts of the world, this is the high point of the Christmas season. In many parts of Europe and Latin America, this is the day of parades and family gatherings and gift giving. Well, why? Well, the main point of the Feast of the Epiphany is not that some humble family received expensive gifts from the Middle East. This is about the fact that God is a God for all people. Remarkably, it is a story from Matthew, by far the most Jewish of the four evangelists, who tells us this story of the Persian astrologers, the Magi. But what do you think the Magi did after they returned home? Do you think they became Jews? Do you think they gave up their Persian culture? I don't think so. I think they continued to discern how the Holy Spirit was calling them to serve God, just as we are all continually called to discern how to be Christian disciples. We've been traveling with Isaiah for most of the last six weeks. The first day of Advent, I'm sure you recall, he called us to walk in the light of the Lord. On Christmas Eve, he said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And today, Isaiah proclaims that the glory of the Lord shines upon us. Epiphany is a day of bright lights. I have finally turned on all the lights in the room. Thanks for hanging in there. It celebrates that God's message of salvation and mercy is a message for all people. Let's take a moment to celebrate the, God, the mercy God has gifted each of us with. In middle school and high school literature classes... We were taught about epiphany moments in literature. The idea of when a character suddenly sees things in a new way or comes to a new clarity. Well, by that definition, today's gospel passage is an epiphany of the first degree. This is the first recorded instance of people outside of Judaism recognizing Jesus as the Christ, God's anointed one the King of kings, the Lord of lords. But it's very interesting how Matthew tells this story. We have now heard in the last three weeks the entirety of Matthew's uh, nativity story. We heard the end of the story last week. This is the middle part. The consequences of the Magi talking with King Herod led to the slaughter of the holy innocents. It led to the Holy Family having to depart to Egypt. Do you think that was part of God's plan? I doubt it. Did God intend for the Magi to visit Herod on the way to Bethlehem? I don't think so. I think that was just the Magi presuming that if the star was leading them to that area of the country, that they would find the king in a palace. Or... Maybe it was just common courtesy in Persia to stop by and visit the ruling monarch on the way. But what's interesting is that means that one of the very first days of Christianity, we have this phenomenon that is so, so common in our world today. The idea of when different cultures come together and interact. It can be a time for great enrichment, but it can also be an opportunity for terrible misunderstandings. 
One of our deceased Paulist brothers, Michael Hunt, used to give classes to each Paulist novice class about church history. I had the privilege of being in the very last class that he taught. And he was with us for a week. And he said, Christian church history can be understood as a series of 20 conflicts between two cultures. And the church has blossomed when it has taken the two opposing ideas and somehow been able to hold on to them both. And the church has suffered when we have chosen one over the other. Sometimes you hear it said the Catholic church is a church of both and. And we have really done our best when we have done that. The first of those conflicts would be can Christians include both Jews and Greeks? St. Paul answers that in our second reading today. Yes, and that's what a lot of the New Testament is about. Also in the New Testament, we hear about those Corinthians who were struggling to figure out if a a single Christian community could include both the rich and the poor. And we decided that was the case. But it is so much easier in the short run to choose either or. And those have been some of the most tragic moments in our church history. It is tragic that we are divided between East and West. It is tragic that we are divided between Catholic and Protestant. But even now, we're challenged to do both and. To embrace both science and belief. Both ritual and innovation. Both orthodoxy and social justice. The Holy Spirit continues to invite us to greater diversity within Christianity while staying true to the precepts of the faith. When we suddenly recognize people who are different than us, having common bonds with us, that is an epiphany of the first degree. Now maybe you don't know this, but today begins the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops National Migration Week. And I don't know why it starts today, but maybe it's because it's the Feast of the Epiphany. Now, When I say the word migration up here, probably some of you are groaning inside, thinking, oh no, this is politics, because when we hear the words migrant and immigration, we're usually talking politics, and politics is an either-or game these days in this country, not a both-and. But no matter what our individual politics are, we all know we have a responsibility to treat all people with compassion, to embrace the both-and Right now, in Syria, the country of Syria alone, there are millions of people who are very similar to St. Joseph, who feels compelled to move his family from his homeland. And despite our disagreements about immigration reform, most of us would agree that we want people who are coming to this country to go through the legal channels. But as many of us know, though, it is very complicated and very hard to come through that process. I think about my grandparents who came to this country 90 years ago. I doubt they would have been able to negotiate the process in place today. They didn't speak English, they had no money, and they had very little education. I think my grandfather had gone to second grade. Today's process is complicated and expensive, and there are many people out there who are advertising that they are lawyers who will help these people when they're actually scammers. 
taking these people's money and then not helping them through. In East Tennessee, there are two people working full-time who are licensed by the government who can assist people without a lawyer. I was telling this to two people I was working with yesterday at the prison. I did not know that one of, the two of them was one of those two people. <laughs> Charlie Mulligan, who comes to Mass here. Uh, the other one's Natalie Perez. And there's a halftime person who helps them. All three of those people work for Catholic Charities. They're the only people in East Tennessee who can help people who cannot afford a lawyer. And we have more people in East Tennessee than in the rest of the state. There are another two and a half people for all of Central and Western Tennessee. The challenge for all of us today is twofold, as I would like to present it. If we truly want people to be able to come into this country through legal processes, and the, the church has said for centuries that people have a right to move their families to where they are safe and can be cared for, we can support Catholic Charities of East Tennessee through our money, or even better, if you speak Spanish and you have at least eight hours a week that you can volunteer for at least six months, please, please talk with Natalie Perez or Charlie Mulligan, or if you can't remember those names, talk to me. You can help them do a lot of the processing work even if you are not licensed. They are really, really operating on a shoestring budget. And if you think it's bad in Knoxville, imagine the fact that these people have to travel to Johnson City and Chattanooga from time to time to try to help reach people there. And no matter where we sit on the political spectrum, the other thing we can do is pray for all migrants. They are people in great need. And I think it's reflected in the prayer that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has put together for this National Migration Week. I'd like to share it with you. Merciful and loving Father, you provided for your people Israel in their exodus from slavery, a promised land that you established for them. And in Jesus Christ, you provide welcome refuge for all in need. We ask for your divine protection for all migrants who have left their homes in search of new opportunity in another land for refugees who are forced from their homes due to threats of violence, we beseech you to provide them a safe haven. For migrants trafficked into slavery, grant them rescue, healing, and the strength to start again. For immigrants who so often leave their family and friends behind, grant them a better life and greater opportunity elsewhere. We pray in particular for your protection over migrant children who are vulnerable to exploitation and abuse at the hands of others. We implore you to grant all migrants your protection and lead them to a place of safety. Be with all those in need with your power to save. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. There is a much shorter prayer on the prayer cards that have been sitting out in the lobby for the last six months or so. If you would like to take one, please do. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. I don't think it's a coincidence that this year's theme for National Migration Week is called Out of the Darkness. May we all have epiphany moments about the needs of all 
our brothers and sisters.